So this morning, I'm going to ask you to turn to a very familiar passage of Scripture, and uh, that being 1 Samuel chapter 17, and beginning with the first verse. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to begin reading with the first verse. Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle. Go on down to verse 2. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together. And they pitched in the valley of Elah and set the battle in array, which means that they had set their battle lines. They had drawn their battle lines against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. And there was a valley between them. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span, nine and three quarter, nearly ten feet tall. I mean, we know that's a tall boy. That's a tall drink of water. And he had a helmet of brass on his head. And he was armed with a coat of armor. And the weight of the coat of armor that he wore was 5,000 shekels of brass, 125 pounds. He had brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam. And his spear's head, the, the end of the head on the spear, weighed 600 shekels of iron, 15 pounds. And one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, chiding them, berating them, mocking them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose you a man and let him come down to me. And if I be able to fight with me, or if he be able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants. How many of you know that's pretty high stakes? I mean, you want to pick your best guy for this battle. And the Philistines said, Goliath said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And I'm going to stop reading right there. Ask that you bow your heads and we'll pray together and ask the Lord for his help and for his anointing in preaching his word today. Father, we are grateful to be able to come together in the house of the Lord. We are thankful this morning, Lord, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit that we have sensed as we have worshiped in song and as we have lifted up your name. We are so grateful for all that you have done for us. 
and all that you continue to do in our lives. Father, this morning I pray that you would anoint me with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, for without you I can do nothing. And I just simply pray, Father, that you will allow the Holy Spirit to give me divine utterance, that you will help me to speak as an instrument in your hand. Inspire my thoughts and put your words in my mouth. Bless me this morning to be a blessing to those that hear. I pray, Father, that you will allow me to impart wisdom and understanding and that, Lord, you will have your way and that your name will be glorified here in this place and that the people of God that love you will be edified. I ask all of these things in the mighty and wonderful name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you for them even now. And everyone in agreement with that prayer said amen. amen. So I want to title my message this morning, Preparing for the Future Fight. Preparing for the Future Fight. This morning, of course, we are looking at a very familiar passage of Scripture. I personally was raised in the house of God. So I can remember hearing this story of David versus Goliath from my youth. Um, through the 30 years plus of ministry, there have been times that the Lord has directed me to this particular setting of scripture. And I, I have preached as the Lord has directed my heart. So I'm confident that I can say with a great assurance, I'm sure that we are all familiar with the story. We're familiar with the heroic faith of a shepherd boy who defeated one of Israel's most notorious enemies. But this past week, as I was preparing for this service this morning, the Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart about a particular passage in this story and I had never seen it quite the way that the Lord was speaking to me so there's a part of the story this morning that possibly maybe you have never stopped to consider maybe there's a part of this story this morning that you have never stopped to contemplate or to meditate upon but as God began to speak into my heart this past week he brought me to a particular part of this story and I know that I have read it before it, 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 it's not something that was new that was tucked away or hidden in the text it's right there in plain sight I've seen it before, I've read it before, but I never stopped to consider the impact that it must have had upon David's life. An impact that was so powerful and so profound that it prepared him for the moment of facing the giant. I know I've read it before, I know I've seen it before, it's right there, it's always been there, but I've never seen it. The way the Lord just kind of spoke to my heart, it's simple, but the Lord spoke to my heart. So if you will allow me this morning, let me just give you some historical context and refresh your memory on this 
particular story. And spoiler alert, David wins. <laughs> if you didn't know. So if you begin to read in 1 Samuel chapter 16, and that's really where it all kind of begins. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, Saul is the king of Israel. But if you will remember correctly, Saul had disobeyed God. Amen. God had specifically told him to do one thing, and he turned around and did something completely contrary what God had told him to do. And because of that, the Bible says that God rejected Saul from being king over Israel. And God speaks to a prophet by the name of Samuel, and God says to Samuel, I want you to go down to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem because I have found me a king in Bethlehem. And you know the story, Samuel goes down to the house of Jesse. And one by one, the sons of Jesse begin to come before the prophet. And Samuel says to himself, surely this is the man that God has chose to be king in Israel. And God says, that ain't the one. Just send him on his way. That ain't the one. One by one, they pass before the prophet, one by one. Amen. Jesse has seven sons, and, and the Bible tells us that one by one they all go by, and none of them are chosen. And Samuel says, Do you have any more children? Do you have any more sons? And, and Jesse says, I have one who is out watching the sheep. And Samuel says, we will not sit to eat. We will not do anything else until he is called. And when David came in, God said to Samuel, arise and anoint him to be king over Israel. He is just a lad. He is just a shepherd boy, but he anoints Daniel or he anoints David to be the king over Israel. So allow me to point out that at this point in David's life, he has been anointed to be king over Israel, but he does not immediately take the throne, but he returns to the sheep. He returns to the field. In other words, he is a king without a kingdom. In other words, he has been anointed. He has an anointing upon his life to be a king, but he does not yet have a kingdom. Understand that his destiny had been determined, but his situation had not changed. You hear what I'm saying? Amen. His situation had not changed. His destiny had been determined. His purpose had been finalized in the mind of God. But his circumstances weren't any different than what they were before. His calling had been resolved. But his current status had not yet been modified. He has been ordained by the hand of God to occupy the throne, but he is still in the field watching sheep. He is a king without a kingdom. Let me just stop right there to tell you this morning that your current circumstances 
are not a true reflection of where God is taking you. I said, let me tell you this morning that your current circumstances are not a clear or concise reflection of where God is taking you. I could stay right there for just a few moments and preach for a little bit, but what I am saying is where you are right now is not your final destination. Where you are right now is just a, a point of interest along your journey. Where you are right now is is just a stopover on the tour. Where you are right now is just passing through some stuff to get where God is taking you. Abraham had a promise from God that his children would be as the sands of the sea. But how many of you know Abraham had to go through some stuff to get there? Hello? Joseph had a promise that his family would one day bow in reverence before him, but Joseph had to go through some stuff to get there. David had been anointed to be king, but let me tell you this morning, David had to go through some stuff in order to get there. Some of you this morning, God has put a word in your heart, a dream down in your soul, and just because it hasn't happened, and yet doesn't mean that it ain't gonna happen. Amen. I'm telling you, if God gave you a calling and God gave you a purpose and God gave you a destiny, you may have to wade through some stuff to get there. Amen, amen, amen. What I'm saying is that if God put a word in your heart, a dream in your spirit, Amen. It may not come to pass right away, but I'm telling you that doesn't mean that it isn't going to happen. You may have to go through some things and through some stuff before you arrive. Let me just tell you right here and right now, your current situation is not a true reflection of your final destination. You may have to go through some stuff. You may have to encounter some difficulties before it come to pass. You may have to preserve or persevere and persist. Amen. You may have to stick with and stick it out. You may have to keep on and keep it up until it finally comes about. But I came to tell somebody this morning, amen, that if God has put a dream in your spirit, if you will hold on to the hand of God, he'll bring it to pass in your life life. I can remember feeling like David felt. After 22 years of evangelistic ministry, something changed on the inside of my heart. I was traveling all over the country for 22 years, loved what I was doing. Hardest part about it was just being away from home. That was the difficult part. I loved, I loved traveling and preaching. It was my greatest joy. I would preach sometimes 20, 28 services a month. I loved it. I loved it. And somewhere in May of 2005, something changed on the inside of me. And I felt weary and felt like I can't do this anymore. And I began to pray. I called my wife and I said, baby, you're going to have to pray for me. She said, what's wrong? 
I said, I just feel tired. I feel like I've, something is not right. I don't know what it is. She said, aren't you sleeping well? I'm like, oh, no, I'm sleeping like a rock. That's not it. No, I'm just, I'm tired of suitcases and I'm tired of the road and I'm tired of being by myself and I'm tired of, and I just don't think I can go on any farther. I said, help me pray. She started praying. I was fasting and praying. And I could take you to the place. I could take you to the place in Marysville, California in a hotel room where that afternoon as I was praying and getting ready for the service, God spoke to my heart and he said, you are not always going to do what you are currently doing. I am going to call you to be a pastor. And I said, is that what this is all about? Okay. I am your huckleberry. I'll do it. Can I tell you that God had anointed me then, right then and there, and changed the course of my ministry to be pastoral? But I was a pastor without a church. And I was seven years a pastor without a church. So I know exactly how David feels. Amen, I know exactly how he felt this morning. I know exactly, amen, what he was talking about. He was a king without a kingdom. He had a destiny, but he had to go through some stuff before his destiny was fulfilled. Amen, God had called me to pastor, but I had to go through some things before it ever came about. I'm telling you this morning, if God's put a dream in your spirit, if God's put a dream down in your heart, God's put a calling down in your heart, it may not happen right away. You may have to wade through some things and go through some stuff before God brings you in to, to that final place that he's called you to be. Amen. If you faint, you'll never get to your destination. If you give up, if you faint along the way, amen, you'll never be prepared to fight the next battle. So let me continue with my story. Chapter 17 opens by telling us that the Philistines had gathered themselves together. They are on one mountain and the children of Israel are on the other mountain. They have set the battle line. The Philistines have come up against the children of God. Saul and the men of Israel have gone out to meet the approaching armies. And the scripture tells us that there is a valley, the valley of Elah, that lays between them. And for 40 days, there is a standoff. For 40 days, the two armies are sizing each other up and they are, amen, ready to go to war and they are taunting one another. And for 40 days, this giant of a man steps out on the battlefield and he challenges the people of God. And he says, are you not the servants of Saul and am not I a Philistine? Are we not enemies? So if I'm your enemy, here I am. Send me a man that we may fight. And if he kills me, we will be your servants. But if I slay him, you will be our servants. And nobody wanted to take the challenge. 
They were all fearful and they were all afraid. The Bible says this 10 foot tall of a man weighing, I mean, his, his armor weighing 125 pounds steps out. He is intimidating. He is massive and, and nobody wanted to mess with him. They are all afraid to fight. They are all afraid to fight. Every morning, every night, he challenges the people of God. The Bible says in that 11th verse of our text that when Saul and all of Israel heard the words of the Philistine, that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Dismayed means they were wringing their hands, wondering what they were going to do. And they were afraid. As you read the story, you discover that not one soldier wanted to go. But if you continue reading in chapter 17, the story shifts just a little bit to give us some background. And Jesse has three sons that have followed Saul to battle. And Jesse says to David, who is watching the sheep, the king without a kingdom, he says to David, I want you to take this care package, if you will. I want you to go to the front lines and see how your brethren are doing and then come and report to me. So the Bible says that the next morning David loads up some bread and cheese and, you know, things to take to the front line. And he arrives at the battle scene and he gives those things to the quartermaster. And then David slips up to the front lines to see his brothers, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah. Jesse has sent him to just simply deliver a care package. So David is just delivering groceries. But he don't know it. He's about to walk into his destiny. He goes to the front lines, and when he gets there, the scripture says that the, the Philistine Goliath walks out on the battlefield while David is conversing with his brothers. And the, the, the giant issues his challenge. Give me a man that we may fight. And no one steps forward. And then the very first words that are recorded in our Bible that David ever spoke are recorded in 1 Samuel chapter 17. These are the first words recorded in our Bible of David speaking. And this is what David said. David spake to the men that stood by him saying, What shall be done to the man that kills this Philistine? And takes away the reproach from Israel. And I love this line. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? That he should defy the armies of the living God. Now remember that circumcision was a sign of being in covenant relationship with God. So what David was saying, amen, he was saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine? He's saying, who is this unbelieving infidel who is outside of the covenant provision of God that he should, amen, defy the armies of those that are in covenant relationship with the Lord? Who does he think he is? Amen. We have a covenant relationship with God. Who does this enemy think he is who is outside of the covenant of the Lord challenging the people of God? What shall be done 
of the man that kills this giant. Who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? And the Bible says that the words that David spoke were rehearsed in Saul's ears. And so Saul calls for David. And David says to him in verse 32, Let no man's heart fail because of this giant. Let no man's heart fail. I will go and fight this Philistine. I will go and fight this Philistine. And Saul says to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You are nothing more than a youth. And he has been a warrior from his youth. You are outmatched. That's like saying, you know, one of these little toddlers that are running around here, you know, in, at elevation worship, they're going to take on one of the grown men. Not going to happen, Bubba. Right? Saul says, you're not capable of this. You can't do this. And then here is David's defense. Verse 34 and verse 35. He says, thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered him, delivered the sheep out of the lion of the bear's mouth. And when they rose up against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. And he says, hey, in verse 36, I slew both the lion and the bear. I slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. Seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God, the Lord. Amen. David said, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear. He's the same God that will deliver me out of the hand of that giant. Hmm. We've all read that before, right? But I never thought about it this way. The Holy Spirit began to speak to my heart, to my mind. I began to meditate upon the scriptures. And God began to cause me to understand that something that we seldom think about, or we rarely stop to consider. You see, it was the previous battle with the lion and the bear that gave David the confidence for the battle that was ahead of him. It was the previous struggles and the conflicts with the lion and the bear that David had faced that prepared him for what was on the horizon. It was the previous hostilities and the previous encounters uh, that David had faced that prepared him for the future fight with the giant. In other words, it was the problem with the lion and the bear that prepared him for the problem of the giant. If David had have never faced the, the lion, he would have never had the courage to face the bear. 
If he'd have never faced the bear, he would have never had the courage to face the giant. What I'm saying this morning is his previous battles had prepared him for his current situation. Can you imagine how David must have felt being a young boy out in the field, no one around, just him and the sheep? And he looks up, he's just going about his duty and doing his things and just doing what he was supposed to be doing and he looks up and there is a lion that has a lamb in his mouth. He had a choice. It's just one lamb. Well, just let it go. But no, 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 no. David wanted to, David wanted to protect the flock. He wanted to protect the sheep. Amen, no doubt he had reservations. No doubt he had, amen, concern about his self-preservation. No doubt he wanted to save the sheep, but I also have no doubt he wanted to save himself. Uh, hello? Here he is just going about his business, doing his thing, and all of a sudden the bear shows up. Can I ask you a couple of questions this morning? Do you think that his experience with the lion and the bear caused him to call upon the name of the Lord? I'm, I think if I were out in the field watching sheep and it was my responsibility to keep them healthy and safe and a lion approached, I'd be going, oh, sweet Jesus. We need some help now, Lord. We need some help now, Lord. Do you think that a bear showing up caused David to learn how to trust in the Lord? I think so. I think it caused him to learn how to lean upon the arm of God and not the arm of flesh. I think it caused him to understand, amen, that it wasn't him, but it was God that was in him that would fight the battle. I think that it caused him to understand that no matter what he faced, that no weapon that was formed against him would be able to prosper. I think it caused him to understand that when he faced adversity and he called upon the name of the Lord, he could count on God because God was faithful because he'd already been tested and he'd already been through the fire and God had already shown himself faithful to David. What I'm saying this morning is his previous struggle with the lion and the bear prepared him for this moment in the valley of Elah. His previous struggles with a lion and the bear prepared him for an encounter with a future enemy. Amen. His previous struggles with a lion and the bear prepared him to walk by faith and not by sight. His previous struggles with the lion and the bear prepared him to learn how to trust in God even in the face of certain death. His previous struggles caused him to have faith that God did and that God would and that he would forever be in the hand of the Lord. And he says to Saul, I slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them. The Lord that delivered me 
Out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. I came to tell you this morning that whatever you are going through right now, whatever battle you are facing right now, it is the very thing that will propel you to victory in the battle that is to come. Amen. God is preparing you. God is preparing me for a future fight. God is preparing you for a future confrontation. God is preparing you for a future conflict. God is preparing you for a future victory. What you are going through right now is nothing more than a testing ground. Amen. For the next battle that is on the horizon. Do you understand what I'm talking about this morning? Amen. The fight, the strength that you are in right now, amen, is nothing more than a proving ground for what lies ahead. I wish I could tell you this morning that God is going to give you the victory in your current struggle and then you would never have to fight again. But I can't do that. I said, I wish I could tell you that God is going to give you the victory in your current struggle and then you will never have to fight another battle again. But that is not how it works. Understand that our walk with God is a series of victories and a series of battles. Our walk with God is a series of mountaintops in a series of valleys. Our walk with God is going to be a series of conquests and a series of struggles. Our walk with God is going to be a series of triumphs and then there are going to come, amen, some conflicts. The enemy is not just going to let you walk, amen, unencumbered on a smooth road every day all the way to glory. No, 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 no. He is going to come every day, amen, seeking to kill and to steal and to destroy in your life. So I can't tell you this morning that God's going to give you the victory and you will never have to fight again. But what I can tell you is that if we will keep strong our relationship with the Father, if we will keep our faith and hold fast to the unchanging hand of God, God, who is faithful, will give us the victory, not only in our current struggle, but he will give us the victory in the future struggles to come. But the struggle that you are going through right now is nothing more than preparing you for the struggle that is to come. Jesus himself repeatedly faced the adversary. Let me show you some scripture that verifies that. Luke chapter 4 verse 1 down through the 13th verse. The Bible said Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Ghost, returned from the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And the Bible says he afterward was in hunger and the devil that tempted him in the wilderness, the devil said to him, if you're the son of God, Command these stones to become bread. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The devil said to him, 
takes him to a high mountain and says to him, I want you to see all of the kingdoms of the world. If you will fall down and worship me, I will give them all to you. And Jesus said to him, get thee behind me, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The devil takes him to the high pinnacle of the temple and says, if you're the son of God, jump off. Because the scripture has said that he will give his angels charge over these, quoting Psalms 91. He'll give his angels charge over thee lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus says to him, it's also written that thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And then here's what happened. I mean, Jesus puts him in his place three times. Just boom, boom, boom. And then here's what happens. Verse 13 in chapter 4 says, And when the devil had ended all of the temptation, he departed from him. For a season. The devil departed from him. For a season. How long is a season, Pastor Gary? I don't know. I don't know. Some of you that love winter, we're sliding right into it. Some of you that love summer, you just whistle goodbye. Lord willing, we'll see you next year. You hear what I'm saying? I don't know how long a season is. But what I do know is that the enemy, even though you win the battle here, the enemy is going to come again. He's going to try again. He's not going to just let you win the battle and leave you alone. He's going to, he, he's going to rise up in his defeat, put his tail between his legs and run one way and then recoup and reorganize and come back and try again. That's his job. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But what I'm telling you this morning and this may not be, you know, a really encouraging word. I told that to the Lord. You know, this is a really encouraging word. God's going to give you a battle to prepare you for a battle. That, that doesn't sound really encouraging, Lord. But what I'm saying this morning is if you go through this battle successfully, amen, God is faithful to see you through the next battle. And, and if you will hold fast your faith, if you will hold fast to the things that you know that God has done in your life, if you can look back when you face your giant, if you can look back and say, I know that my God, uh, amen, delivered me out of the paw of the bear and the lion. I know God, amen, met the bills last month, uh, and I believe in God, he'll meet them again this month. Uh, I know God healed me in the past, uh, and I believe in that the same God that healed me, amen, is the same God that'll heal me today amen. amen allow your lion and your bear to give you the confidence to believe God for the giant that's in your life today my lord and God David said moreover he will deliver me out of the or out of the he that delivered me out of the paw of the bear and the lion he'll deliver me out of this hand of this Philistine and you know the end of the story you know the end of the story Saul says okay David we're going to let you go and Saul put Dave, 
Saul put his armor on David. Here's a young man, a young lad, wearing a man's armor. He said, I can't do this. He said, this will never work. I haven't proved this stuff. Let me take my own weapon. Let me know. Let me take what I'm used to. And he took a little slingshot. A sling walks down by the brook, picks up five smooth stones. Some years ago, my wife and I were over on the Oregon coast in the resort where we stayed. Our balcony was right on the water, just from here to the front door to the edge of the surf. And uh, we had the patio door open in the room. We were laid back. It was a beautiful day, a breeze coming through. It was just, you know. And all of a, all of a sudden, I heard. I'm like, what in the world is that? I got up and went to the, you know, the balcony, and I looked down on the surf, on the sand. There was a young man down there had a sling. I mean, he would sling that thing around and let it go, and you could literally hear the stone leave the, the sling. It was, I mean, it was so loud, I could hear it all the way in the room, over the surf. It made me think of this moment. David walks down, looks at the giant. The giant is so cocky. He's so arrogant. He says, what am I, a dog? That you would send a little boy out here to fight me with sticks and stones? Cursed David by the name of his gods. And he says to David, come on. This day I will give your flesh to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the field. David said, I don't know which book you've been reading, but you got it all wrong. Because today, amen, today God will allow me to feed your flesh to the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the field. You come to me with a shield and a spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, in the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. And today he will deliver you into my hand for the battle is not mine, but the battle belongs to the Lord. Amen, and you know how the story ends. The rock left the sling, and God quickened it and added speed to it and directed the aim on it, and it landed in the only place where that giant was vulnerable and dropped him to the ground. The Bible said that David didn't even have a sword so to rub salt in the wound, he went over and stood on the giant, pulled the giant's sword out of his own sheath and cut off the giant's head with his own sword. Amen. Let me just tell you something this morning. God desires to give you victory in your current circumstances and the battle that you are currently fighting, I came to tell you, will give you trust and confidence in God to prepare you for the battles that lie ahead. Bow your heads, please. Some of us right now, we may be on a mountaintop. 
We may be in one of those places where we are, you know, shouting victory. And, but I promise you, there are battles ahead. Some of us here this morning are right in the midst of a battle. I promise you, the mountaintop is ahead. Just keep faithful to the Lord. I promise you that victory is ahead. Just keep faithful to the Lord. Amen. For those of you that are struggling through something right now, let me just encourage you right now. God can give you the victory over your bear and your lion, and he'll give you victory over the giant that's ahead as well. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I know sometimes it seems odd that we would say thank you for the past difficulties in our life because they have sharpened our faith. They have strengthened our faith. They have strengthened our resolve. We would never be able to face now what we are facing right now if we hadn't have gone through some of the things that we've already been through. But because we've been through the battle with the bear and the lion, we believe where we are now, that you are the same God and that you are capable of giving us deliverance here. Thank you, Father God, for the struggles of life because in those struggles, our faith is challenged and tried and we come forth triumphant. We come forth triumphant as pure gold. The trying of our faith being much more precious. James said that when we face challenges and trials to rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Well, that sounds silly, James. But it's true. It's true. The current battles strengthen us for the future fight. The current battles strengthen us for the future fight. Lord, we anchor our hope in you. We anchor our trust in you. I pray, Father, for those who are struggling this morning, for those who are going through certain battles in their life right now. Let them hold fast. Bring them through. Let them have the report of David the God that delivered me from the lion and the bear can deliver me now. For the future battles that we were faced, Lord, in those moments of testing, bring back to our remembrance the deliverances that we've already experienced. Touch our lives today through this word. In Jesus' name we pray. Heads about, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you'd be willing to slip up a hand and say, Preacher, I needed to hear this message today. God bless you and you and you. God bless you and you. You and you. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Carol, I know you've been worrying in your spirit. You said so. But I'm just going to give you a word. It's going to be okay. 
It's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hands have been lifted this morning. Stand to your feet. They're going to begin to play. Just worship the Lord. Let me pray with you, Heavenly Father. You saw every hand strengthen every weary soul. Every individual that's facing a giant, give them the courage, the boldness to dare to believe God, to step out in faith and to receive from the hand of the Lord. Every single individual that lifted their hand, Lord, I pray right now that you would touch them, minister to them, and let them find courage and rise up in the anointing of God to believe. In Christ's name we pray, amen.